Hey, beautiful people. I'm Amber, and this is A Nanny's Life. This podcast is dedicated to highlighting the full experience of career caregivers both on and off the clock. So welcome to the potty, friend. Make yourself at home. Guys, this week, we have a celebrity in the building. (laughs) I'm kidding. She's a celebrity to me, okay? I discovered this gem in 2020 and we connected like immediately um and the one thing i can say about her is she has been authentic from day one she has been consistent from day one and i'm so excited for y'all to hear from and learn from this wonderful light in our community so y'all let's welcome emma to the potty hey friend hi (laughs) i'm so happy you're here how are you doing I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone's always said, like, when are you going to be hanging with Amber? And I'm like, I don't know, as soon as we can chat. And I'm so excited <laughs> that that day is today. You knew it was only a matter of time, because if it's one thing we do, it's we talk about <laughs> things. We're very skilled at that, yeah. Yes, we talk about the things. Okay, so Emma, I'm going to let you introduce yourself real quick. Um, tell the people your name, your pronouns, and how long you've been in this industry. I, hi, um, my name is Emma Hughes. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I have been nannying full-time in a professional capacity for just about four years, um, but I've been working in childcare at large for about a decade, um, and I really do think that those pandemic years should count as multiples. <laughs> I'm quite passionate about this. So, like, four years, but two of those were pandemic for doctors, so I really think I should get, like, bonus points. No, that is not a lie. I feel like the pandemic aged me as well as a nanny. <laughs> like, I jumped up, like, five years just from that bubble. So you you can absolutely have that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So, Emma, what was it that brought you to this community? How did you get into it? And why did you decide to stay? I It was, it was a God thing. Like, that's kind of the only way I can describe it. Um, I had been working with kids for years. Um, I had babysat like all through school. Um, I had always just like kids and I always connected. We always just like felt one another, you know, we, we had, we were on the same page. Um, and I graduated high school and I thought I wanted to be a midwife. Um, and I'd like taken the track to kind of like do a pre-nursing school track. Like I had taken a CNA program at my local tech high school when I was a junior and, fully thought that was going to be the next like eight to 10 years of my life was just like the academic track to become a certified nurse midwife. And then I don't know, it just like didn't feel like what I was supposed to do. So I took a gap year and I was still babysitting all the time in between other jobs and I wasn't really sure where I wanted to end up. And a family that I was babysitting for um, had a full-time nanny and we got to talking one day because I was relieving her um sometimes when we got to talking and she was like sis you would be great at this and I was like I didn't know that was a job that you could have like I didn't I of course like every other newbie was like that's a real like I could just do that full-time like that could pay my bills that could like be a career um and she took me under her wing and she taught me all the things I needed to know and like I'm very thankful that I had that 
kind of like auntie presence from the beginning of like, use a contract, all these things that some people kind of have to mess around and find out to figure out. Um, and I just, it clicked and I never looked back because it just, it's the best job. I think, I mean, we're pretty biased, but it is a very one of a kind, unique, wonderful job. Yeah, I think, I love that you took a gap year because I had a similar experience, although my gap was between undergrad and grad school. Never went to grad school. Um, but I think more people should, after college, really, I mean, after high school, excuse me, really think about if you really want to do what you have decided you were going to work on, you know, because the the growth that takes place between 18 and 20 even is yes. just, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's mind blowing. And it's not even just like the growth, but it's how can you at 18 after being in school for the last 12 years of your life, like how can you, <laughs> I just, it boggles my mind a little bit. The, the lack of, um, like the just push of academics and the lack of education on just like, you can go into trades. There's so many jobs that you can go into that will train you on the job or jobs that don't require that. Or there's so many jobs you can do that you don't have to shell out a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in student debt at 18 years of age um, and then be paying those student loans off for the rest of your life. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a total God thing, but I'm very thankful um, especially as all of my friends start to graduate and have to figure out their student loan payments. I'm like, sorry, love you. Uh, yeah, yeah, student <laughs> loans, they, they, they exist. They exist. <laughs> Very they glad I don't have them. They absolutely exist. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm, I'm glad you figured that out for yourself. Thank you. Very early on. Also, I don't think I knew about your mentor friend, um, kind of talking you through it and I love that you had that and now a lot of you make sense because when I first discovered you <laughs> on Instagram I was like how does this first of all I did not know how old you were at yeah. the time and I think at some point you celebrated a birthday yeah and I was like wait a minute <laughs> you did yeah how yeah. How? How is this person yeah. this much younger than me? But my mother likes to joke that I was born a thirty-year-old woman, like just straight up from the womb, just like mm -hmm. thirty years old. Um, mm -hmm. It's she was not wrong. Yeah, she I can has, see it. Yeah, I can see it. Either way, yeah. I'm really, really glad you're yeah. here. Thank um, you. And another thing about you that has been present from the start is your philosophies on child rearing <laughs> and child care, your approach, um, your beliefs and your values. So if you want to share a little bit about your child rearing philosophy and even how you came to adapt that. Yeah. Child rearing philosophy, I think can be summed up in kind of the let kids be kids, um, for as long as they can. Um, I think that is like the baseline if you elevator pitched it, that would be my like beginning sentence. It's just let kids be kids. Um, I My philosophy is very nature connected. Um, it's become more so over the years. It has taken me a process to want to be outside when it's raining and for me to believe that there's no such thing as bad weather. Because some days I'm like, nah, man, I want to sit on the couch and watch a movie. Um, so yeah, very nature-based, um, especially as I've gotten more connected to this beautiful place that I call home, um, where we have so much natural life around us. 
Um, and my philosophy is very like gentle and respectful. Um, I love a lot of aspects of Montessori and Waldorf and um, RIE and that kind of, I pull from a lot of them, but I don't like marry myself to any one of them. I kind of like take what I like, what resonates with me, what I feel is a good fit for the kids in my care. And then I just kind of leave the rest behind. That's good. I love that. And I, I, I think more people need to embrace the take what you need, take what you agree with, Mm. leave the rest. You know, it doesn't have to be (laughs) rote. Like you don't have to be, like you said, married to any sort of philosophy or parenting style necessarily. I do think that a lot of the confusion around like childcare philosophies or rearing philosophies is that um, people have different circumstances. Mm. And when people are very passionate about calling out or correcting philosophies that they may see being talked about on the internet and in real life it is because their current circumstances do not make it easy for them to use those philosophies right for sure and and instead of identifying (laughs) what it is that impedes them from utilizing it they're just like you this doesn't make sense for anyone this doesn't work out If Um, if it can't work for me it can't work for anyone which is not which is so not true um yeah, even like Montessori has become kind of like a hot button topic in the last few years as it's like gained popularity. But then like Montessori purists will be like, well, this isn't true Montessori. Well, like the love every kits aren't actually Montessori, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you can, you can like, you can just like take a breath and just be like, well, this is what I'm doing and it's working well for me and my children and I like it. And so therefore that is enough. I don't need to send my child to a $60,000 a year Montessori preschool. Like, it's fine. We'll be good. That was a joke number, but they some of them do be quite I insane. Mean, my kids, my nanny kids go to private schools, and hmm, yeah. I couldn't imagine. No. Um, so, Emma, you recently went a little viral yeah. on the Instagram. Yeah. You made a reel, not unlike other reels you have made for however long reels have existed. Um, But you were talking about not playing with your kiddos. Mm -hmm. And some people had really strong feelings, either in agreement with you or not in agreement with you. Yeah. Would you like to clarify in your own words? Yeah. (laughs) What exactly you meant by that? Yeah. Um, I think for those who actually read the caption um, would perhaps have gained a deeper understanding of what I was trying to convey, Um, which it says in the caption is, I'm not saying never play with your children. I'm not saying we don't roughhouse or play silly games or engage in a good game of hide and seek. I'm not saying never play with your children. I'm saying that our current culture, especially here in the United States, has somehow arrived at the conclusion that we need to be entertainers of children, that we Mm. need to be kind of keeping them busy all day long. We need to be going from activity to activity to, oh, they look bored. Let me create a sensory bin. Let me pull out this thing. Let me be a magician. Let me entertain and exhaust myself. Um, And I was simply stating that um, perhaps we could think about how that's not working well. (laughs) 
Mm. for any of us. It's not working well for the kids who are never left alone for two seconds to have an independent thought or to get bored and figure out how to cope with that boredom. And it's not working well for us as adults who have other things we need to do. And also just it's straight up exhausting to think that I need to chase around a tiny human all day and actively like be their circus clown. <laughs> so no, that's, that's valid. So that was um, kind of what I was trying to convey and I did get a lot of really positive like people who it really resonated with and people who were like I really needed to hear this like I feel so guilty when I need to like wash dishes and take care of my house and not entertain my children um and then a lot of people who perhaps did not fully um agree with the sentiment but that's okay because you know not everyone's gonna always agree with you and that's life yeah do you think that some of the uh disagreeing feedback was more so because you are a caregiver and not a parent oh there was some of that for sure um (laughs) one of my favorites was like some random we'll call her a karen that was the vibe (laughs) i was receiving was (laughs) sorry can I say that? Is no, that thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> she, it was, it was care. It was giving Karen energy. Mm. Um, and she was saying like, don't listen to this girl who's just a nanny, blah, 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 blah. And my favorite thing was someone else, like a mom had commented a totally different comment, like totally like a week prior had said this thing about how like she loved hearing this perspective from a nanny because she really respected and validated the perspective of a professional caregiver as like someone who sees beyond the scope of just like their if I was a mom I would be talking from this perspective of just like me and my family but as a professional caregiver it's like I have worked in many households I have worked with many children I have a widened scope like worldview scope that I can say this kind of confidently from because I've not to say trial and errored and not to say I'm using children as like test subjects, but you get to see a lot of different things when you work in a lot of different households. You get to see a lot of parents who maybe approach different things differently. Um, and so there's just like an added layer of perspective and wisdom that you can get from that. Um, so I really, I find it funny when people think that the nanny part is like, <laughs> some way to like diss it like they're like don't listen to her she's just a nanny and I'm like she's not just a nanny like she this is what she does for a living I feel like you should listen to her more you know what I mean yeah and you know what like I'm already getting so much from this conversation because that is one of my pet peeves about this whole parent versus nanny debate right yeah is that you you're not a parent so you don't get it I absolutely don't get what it is to be a parent because you're right. I'm not a parent. Right. But as far as (laughs) helping children, as far as guiding children, as far as raising children, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like I've done it several times with several different personalities in several different households, like you said. And so I have all of that wisdom Mm -hmm. every time I make one little decision for this child. Whereas for a parent, it's just within the scope of your household your lifestyle and your belief system right like I love that you said that 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 makes me so happy because no one says it you know and it's like 
we absolutely need to be on the same team. There does not need to be all this like tension and back and forth or competition of any sort, but it is different. I mean, someone yeah. who does it for a living does it for a living, you know? And they're, they're, like you said, there's a lot of wisdom that comes with that. And I'm glad that person made that comment because I hope you have that pinned under the post <laughs> because the, if that's not affirmation, like, I don't know what is. Right. Um, and speaking of parents. Yeah. What? Hmm. Okay. So this is not your first nanny family. No. I know that your current nanny family very much aligns with your style. Yes. Um, but a lot of privileged families who are able to hire professionals yes. see things differently. So I know a big part of how you found this family was interviewing with purpose, right? Going into yes. the interview, knowing what you were looking for. Can you talk kind of about how you navigated finding a family that aligns with your childcare style? A thousand percent, for sure. Um, I My previous position, was for a wonderful family um, and I loved the children and for like it being my first full-time nanny position it was it was a great learning experience um, the, the parents however the longer I was in this job and the more I I was working 50-hour weeks and then I was working 40-hour weeks but I was realizing we were not on the same page in a lot of these ways as I was kind of developing and really thinking about things more and kind of creating my own style that I really resonated with. And so when I left my last position, because um, they moved halfway across the country, came to a natural conclusion, I was like, ah, yes, we should, we should strive for better <laughs> here. Like there must be, surely th there are families out there that I would be a better fit for. Um, and so the interviewing with purpose, I love the way you said that, because it's so that, yes, interview with purpose. Um, <laughs> I really, I prayed long and hard, and also I asked a lot of really provoking <laughs> questions. Um, I, I really, like, I asked all of my seasoned nanny friends, and I was like, what are questions you wish you asked when you were interviewing? What are questions you think, like, would get to the, the heart of the issue here? And one of my favorites was, um, what kind of humans are you hoping to raise? Mm. Just start there what kind of humans do you want to raise? Do you want to raise the next like astronaut? Do you want to raise um, a medical student? Do you, do you want to raise, like who, who are you trying to raise here? Are you just trying to raise kind, compassionate human beings who will be wonderful contributors to society, who will be kind friends, who will be empathetic and who will be just like wonderful humans? Because those are, those are different things. And once you have that priority in your head, it's a lot easier to realize how all these other things fit in that. Because um, if your goal is to raise like the next Harvard student, you're gonna approach parenting in a different way than if your goal is to just like have a kind human who contributes to society. Like those are two different goals. Um, and so kind of starting from there, that was like my, always my big lead off question that I always somehow ended up at in interviews. Um, and I kind of used that as a really good, like marker of <laughs> what vibe was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that was, that was a big one, but interviewing with purpose was definitely a big part of it was just coming to the table 
knowing who I was and what I had to offer and knowing that it was a take it or leave it kind of a thing to an extent. Um, that it wasn't, especially in this market, we have kind of, nannies have our pick of jobs, um, unfortunately, as that may be for parents who are really struggling to find care, but there's 20 job listings for every one nanny searching for a job. And so I was able to kind of approach that conversation with being like, I have the pick of the crop and I'm going, just as much as you're trying to find a great caregiver who will be a great fit for your family, I'm trying to find a family that I can partner with for multiple years and like that will be a great fit for me. So I'm going to show up as who I am and this is who I am as a caregiver. These are my priorities. These are the kind of humans I love helping parents raise. And if that is a good fit for you, amazing. If that's not, I think you should continue your search and find another caregiver who would be a better fit for your needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think also that question really says a lot about the people you're going to be working for. The way that they, first of all, perceive the question, right? Because if you're raising an astronaut versus raising a good person, that's two completely different perceptions of that question, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're focusing on achievement versus, you know, the actual quality of character in a person. Um, And that does not necessarily speak to the character of, the nanny parents, the bosses that you would be working for, but it does speak to what your life is going to look like working for them. Um, Mm. Because super goal-oriented parents are super goal-oriented, I will say. And it, I, the, so I always say that I'm a baby nanny, right? I prefer to work with kids that are zero to two, but that is less about cute cuddly babies not talking and more about how complicated things become when they start walking and talking and their parents are like all right and now you're on the path and now we have to make you into what we have to make you into um so I think that's a wonderful wonderful question to lead off with and I will also say I'm not sure why you haven't mentioned but I'm gonna mention it Emma has a an interview checklist or questionnaire or something, right? I do. I have yes. a, it's a four-page document that I made when I was going through the interview process. It was like all of these questions that I thought of that I like honed down when I was doing these interviews and I people kept asking me what I was using, so I was like, mm-hmm. I should just offer this as a thing. Um, it's $5. It's not like I'm not I don't sell it to make money. I just like it's like a price. It's less than a cup of Starbucks these days. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, it's on my Etsy, which is the link is in my bio on my Instagram page. Um, and it's four pages. It has like, I lost count of how many questions are on there, but they're all divided into categories. So it's like philosophy and child rearing approaches, but then there's also like professional nitty gritty. Like it's stuff that sometimes you don't think to think about. Like, are there firearms in the home? Are mm. they locked? Like things that just like you don't know to think about necessarily until you need to think about them. Um, So there's a lot of questions on there and it's really customizable to like you can take what you want to take and leave what you want to leave and you can kind of shift them to to reflect you as a caregiver and like what your philosophies are and what your make it or break it's are. Um, so it's really just like a jumping off point, but I've heard from a lot of people that it's been really helpful and I'm, I know I'm biased, but it did help me, um, really, it helped me land my current job. So 
it did something. Yeah, y'all go get that. Um, because I think so many times nannies go into interviews as like the victim, for lack yes. of a better term, right? Like you just want to please the people that are doing the hiring, but in reality, you're a part of this process too. You're you're gonna have to basically live with these people. Like you want to ask questions, even if those questions are not make or break. Even if you're not thinking take it or leave it. You want to ask the questions, you want to have the knowledge, and you want to demonstrate to them that you are a professional seeking a professional position, which means that they have to be professional employers. Yes. <laughs> and hold up their end of the bargain, you know? Yes. I think it really sets a much better tone of 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 you being in control of your career and, and your day-to-day and knowing what you're talking about. So ask questions, y'all. Ask all the questions ask all the questions a thousand percent yes Mm -hmm. all the time um but yeah what you said about victim is so true because i so many nannies just walk into interviews and or the like i get messages all the time of nannies who are like i am so jealous like i love that you have a family how did you find a family that you like share that are that you're so compatible with or how did this happen or how did how does this work or like how do your nanny family feel about this or that or the other thing and I'm like I I put in the work at the start like I I wanted to know that this was going to be a good fit because I love that you what you said about being like a zero to two nanny because after that things hit the fan and you're (laughs) so right because I knew that my sweet spot is toddlers like 18 months to three years is like my jam and so when I started, I was starting with an 18 month old and mom was pregnant and had a baby three months after I started my job. And I knew I was probably going to stay with my, the length of my contract said two to three years. So I'm going to be with them until the youngest is at least three. Um, and she's 14 months now. And that puts the oldest at like five by the time I'm gone. And so that's like a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of talking and child and like a lot of navigating a lot of big milestones. Um, and if you're not on the same page with your employers, that's just exhausting. Like, yeah, I could be with a family that I don't mesh with as well, philosophy wise. There's a lot of nannies who do that, but more power to them because like you said, we basically, uh, I live there basically. I'm there more than I'm here. Like I'm there 40 hours a week. I can't, like, I couldn't, I, I personally could not work long-term for a family that I did not mesh with well, philosophy wise, because that's just that sounds so exhausting well i think it depends so now i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here because y'all know i have a six-year-old a nearly four-year-old and a two-year-old and they're very goal-oriented family uh they're a very uh socially busy family um The kids are brilliant. The kids are hilarious. I adore them. I love them a lot. And I also (laughs) don't do well at that pace. Let's be honest. Um, I do not thrive at the pace that my job requires me to work at. Um, A big reason why it works is, well, there's two reasons why it works. One is that I started when there was one and he was 12 weeks old. So everyone in this situation knows me. Yeah. (laughs) And thankfully, they accept me as I am. Yes. Sometimes I'm rising to the occasion 
to to keep up with the pace and sometimes I am bringing them down I'm sometimes I'm like yeah no nope not today it's not gonna happen um, and thankfully everyone accepts that about me because I think for them I serve as an anchor of sorts yes and as a balance yeah right so if if I aligned completely with their pace we would probably be going a lot faster even um and so just to that point I will say it is possible to work for a family that is a little different than you philosophy wise or who ideally agree with you philosophy wise but practically can't necessarily demonstrate that because I think for us we're looking at the long-term full future right and unfortunately we live in a society that is very goal-oriented that is very um, financial success driven that is very dog-eat-dog super capitalist like go 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 and I think there are parents who are like yeah we would love to play in the mud or just go for walks for hours at a time but where is that going to put these kids in 15 years? And so all that to say, it's possible to work for a family that is not completely aligned with you, but there has to be a lot of communication. There has to be a lot of respect and there has to be an allowance for you to still be who you truly are, who you authentically are as a caregiver while working with them. Um, I think if if my bosses were critical of some of the ways that I function, um, which is different than the way they function, I think that would make it a lot harder. But they accept it and the kiddos accept it and they get to experience both paces, both sides of life, if that makes sense. So That makes so much sense. And I'm actually really glad that you play devil's advocate there because you are so right. And I'm, I'm sorry, I... Balance is so huge, and I was actually going to mention that, and I'm really glad that you did because, like, yes, I think that communication is amazing, and um, you can, like, you don't have to be a perfect match down the line for all of the things. Um, I'm really fortunate that, like, for nine out of the ten things on the whatever, my mom boss and I are, like, we share a brain cell half the time. It's, it's phenomenal. But there's also an aspect of balance of like, I get the kids outside every single day. They love I get the, that I get the kids outside every day. They love that I take them on hikes and go to the beach and do all of the things. I don't know the last time my bosses went to the beach. <laughs> like, I don't know the last time my bosses, they bought me a hiking backpack. I don't think they've used it once. Like there is a level of balance that is really amazing when you hire a caregiver and you are so transparent and authentic and like both sides agree to just like be authentically who they are and love that about the other or respect it about the other um, because you get to fill in some of the gaps. And mm -hmm. I think, um, is it Shannon, uh, the Viparola's? Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's like a nanny mom, like person on the internet who kicks butt. Sorry, I'm not allowed to swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is something she talks about a lot of like when you're hiring a nanny you shouldn't be hiring a clone like that's right. not beneficial that's I mean you can do that but what if you thought of it as just hiring a compliment like someone who balances out your the needs of your family if you're super go 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 and work a super fast-paced job maybe your caregiver is someone who has the time in their day to let the kids splash in the puddle for 30 minutes like you can balance each other out and have 
kind of create that experience of well-roundedness for the children, which I think is super amazing. Um, but yeah, some of those baseline fundamentals though, I do think have to be there. Otherwise things just get a little, little tricky. Yeah. Do you have non-negotiables where it comes to philosophy? I, there's definitely some, I don't know if they're like philosophy ones, but like I don't do timeouts. I just don't, I don't think that, that that's just a my vibe and I don't necessarily think they work. Like there's stuff like that. Like I obviously don't believe in physical punishments. Um, there's like some like philosophy, just like oriented ones in there. Um, I don't use food as like bribery. Um, I'm a very big, um, like healthy eating habits, um, encourager. So like when we're full, we stop eating. Like I don't do clean plate club. We don't do when we were potty training, we didn't do like any food as rewards for that. Like I'm not like a eat this and then I'll give you your cake kind of a person. So I do have some, those are like non-negotiable, um, I will not do those and I would really prefer to work for families that also don't do those. Like those are some of my hard and fasts. Um, the other ones can get a little like, it depends. It's a little flexible. Like obviously I would love, I love working with families that love getting their kids outside, that love letting their kids get messy, that just like let their kids be kids. Um, and that's, you know, a pretty hard and fast. Like that tends to, those tend to be families I mesh really well with. Um, but like, that's also, we're full-time long-term for several years. Right. That tends to be a different vibe than if I'm just like babysitting for your kids for a few hours on the weekend. You know what I mean? Babysitter Emma and Nanny Emma are two very different humans. Me too. Me yeah. too. If I'm babysitting, have at it. Like, Have at it. <laughs> we're watching all the screen time. Like, yes. I don't know you. That's fine. Yes. Live your life. No, I love that because I think... <sighs> Okay, so being a nanny to new parents specifically, mm. there is the ideal and then there is what actually happens. Yeah. And because children are so different day to day, week to week, month to month, parents tend to evolve mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> Sometimes they don't realize it's happening. Um, and because of that, they don't necessarily acknowledge it's happening. Um, and then to take it further, they don't necessarily acknowledge how it changes your job, mm. <laughs> your function as their childcare provider. I know that like when my kids were younger, my, first of all, my bosses went to work and stayed at work until it was time for me to go home. Mm. So there was a lot less uh, imposter syndrome from me, you know, as far as like, getting the kids involved in chores versus letting them chill out or, um, you know, doing chores while they were awake so that I could chill when they laid down or reading a book in the same room as them while they play. Those things, I don't think about it twice if I'm home alone, but if someone's home with me, even though I know my bosses don't care, they're not judging me. It's just, it feels different. Um, so I think, it's important to acknowledge. And some people are like, you know, do a check-in once a year, talk about the job, whatever, whatever. But it is really important to acknowledge when things shift and change and evolve and how, if at all, your function will change within it. So like when my kids were smaller, every there was a nap time where the whole house was quiet. 
we, that doesn't that doesn't happen anymore um <laughs> that's no longer a thing four-year-olds are a whole different breed and i six-year-olds are a whole different breed beyond that and i have so much respect for you and the ages that you have because that do be whoo, there's no downtime <laughs> when i say it's quiet time they're playing basketball yeah <laughs> how is that quiet guys i just don't um so it really is important to like communicate your needs and how you're feeling and also check in with your bosses about how you intend to function and once they tell you it's cool take it as it's cool (laughs) don't be like me and overthink and feel like you have to do all the things even though your job has become that much more demanding over the years you know because I think it was so much easier for me to be me when they were babies and now it's like I feel like I have to be better so do you have any recommendations for literature or um other uh i don't want to say influencers but uh you know where we should go if we want to learn more about the things (laughs) yeah i have um a bunch saved on my profile so that if in the event that i am about the words i'm about to speak are not (laughs) All of the things. I have a bunch saved um, in a couple of highlights. I have like a play highlight and a parenting books highlight. Um, For like parenting books or just like books that have um, been really like game changing for me and the way I view children and the way I approach caregiving. um, It all started with this little thing called Nanny Book Club that I started (laughs) in the midst of the pandemic because I was lonely and wanted to see my friends. And we read The Danish Way of Parenting. um, And that was like the first book that I read that I was like, whoa, there's a different way that we could be doing this that feels more intuitive and easier to me. Um, And so The Danish Way of Parenting was like the first big one that I read that I loved. Um, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather by Linda McGurk um, is an amazing one if you're like wanting to get outside more or incorporate more nature play um, or just wanting to kind of challenge your um, mindset about what it means to have good weather to play in. Um, I love Balanced and Barefoot by Angela Hanscom. Is, she's the founder of Timbernook. Um, she's a pediatric occupational therapist. Um, and she wrote this book because she was seeing this like massive influx in kids coming to OT with all of these sensory issues and like physical, um, just like couldn't pull themselves up on monkey bars. Like all of these things that you would think kids would be capable of doing Um, and she was realizing that a lot of this was stemming from just like kids weren't getting outside enough and they weren't playing enough Um, and they were living really sedentary lifestyles on screens a lot just like inside all of that Um, balanced and barefoot was huge for me Um, there's definitely so many more what was the other one hunt gather parent I've been reading right now and absolutely loving that one's amazing And Janet Lansbury is my queen. Um, Mm -hmm. Janet Lansbury, I love recommending, especially for anyone of like kids of any age. It's, she's a student of Magda Gerber. um, So the RIE um, philosophy, but she, I think caregivers of any age child could really glean a lot of wisdom from what she has to say. Um, it's, It's kind of written for and thought about for like the new parent and for babies, but it was really um, like paradigm shifting for me in a lot of ways. So um, 
the Elevating Childcare and No Bad Kids are both um, Janet Lansbury books that I love. And they're really small. And she like writes them like, they are like the nuggets of information that you need to know. And it's like bite-sized and it's amazing. It's perfect. Like if you're a parent and you're like, I'm tired and just need to like know the things I need to know. Um, or nanny, same thing. But I, I love those. There's a lot of other good ones out there. Um, but those are like the core ones that have been just like yeah. packed a punch for me. No, Janet Lansbury, I have to, I have to co-sign because obviously the philosophy is there, but also the way that she explains why we make things difficult when it comes to children, like the way that she breaks down what it is about our mindset and our approach that triggers children. And then we then react to their triggering, um, is really, like you said, paradigm shifting. It's like, wow, I, I really just missed. So it makes so much sense. And like you said, it's, it's geared towards newer parents, but it, it really, I think could work for anyone in any, like she does a good job at breaking it down regardless of your socioeconomic status, your household dynamic, like all those things she's able to like pare down to like the core issues and explain to you how to react better. And I just, I couldn't agree with you more about that one specifically. I (laughs) I need to read the others too. Yeah, and then um, as far as uh, like people on the gram, um, there's definitely a lot of accounts that I really love. Um, There's like some just like general, um, if you wanna know more about like respectful, gentle, just like caregiving, um, in a way that just feels intuitive and is also just like respectful of these little humans in your life. Um, I love Seed and Sew is great. Um, flourishing Homes and Families. There's like so many. I'm literally going to fact check myself right now that I'm not saying these wrong. Um, there's so many good ones. Um, Raised Good is great. Um, there's, I used, oh, A Thousand Hours Outside is my jam. Um, love them. Love everything they talk about. Um, mm-hmm. They're awesome. What else was it? There was one I really love. Doo-doo-doo. Busy Toddler is my girl. Susie. Susie Can I be Susie it. when I grow up? I love Su- her. You are well on your way. <laughs> Thank you. You are well on your way. That's like yeah, the highest praise Susie that too. I could receive. I love Susie. <laughs> Susie's my man. Yeah, Seed and So. Um, so good. I love Susie. Susie, if you ever see this or listen to this, know I love you. She's the best. Also, her son, Matt, her youngest kid. Mm-hmm. I want to be Matt when I grow up, actually. I with his ruby red that. slippers. <laughs> I love Shut Matt. I, I also love, love that like she existed before the pandemic because yes. Busy Toddler got me through that four parents at home three kids at home no playgrounds can't watch tv all day but also gotta be quiet phase Mm. busy toddler busy (laughs) toddler i love i love her and i love her she coined the sittervising term Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. all of the that we all all, use (laughs) all the rage um yeah the mom psychologist is also another great one she has like a lot of the mom psychologist Mm-hmm. There's so many there's so many good ones out there and I'm always finding new fun ones. Um Jerica Sains 
I don't know if that's how you say her last name, but she's awesome. She taught me, she has the um, screen time expert. She was like the accidental screen time expert. Um, she's a mom of two and she did the whole, she was kind of one of the big people behind like a lot of kids shows are really overstimulating and mm. there are like better shows that exist, but also stop like this Coco is actually Melon. how, yeah, stop watching Coco Melon. <laughs> that was, that was her. We all owe her. <laughs> A tremendous amount of gratitude. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely lots of resources out there. Lots of ways to educate yourself to be a more intentional caregiver. Because I think it really does come down to being intentional, right? Like yeah. there's accidental <laughs> caregiving where you're just kind of there trying to keep them alive and happy and you're just trying to get through the day and get your paycheck. But like... Being intentional really changes the game. It changes the experience. Um, I think it enhances it a lot for me anyway. Yeah, it's just like, it's nice when you find a rhythm and when you not only know what you believe, but why you believe in it. Ooh. Like, why, not just why you do the things you do, but why? Like, what? why, why am I doing these? Um, a lot of the stuff that we do in caregiving is just such a reflection of how we were raised or how we see others raising. Um, and so to kind of be able to take that step back and be like, well, actually, why am I doing this? Like I posted this reel, um, last week about letting kids climb up the slide. Oh yeah. That got exactly the response that you would anticipate it would get. <laughs> Let me just say that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hilarious because so many people are like, there was actually someone who commented who was like a preschool teacher or something. And they were like, I love this because I used to say to my kids, like, don't climb up the slide. And then she thought to herself one day, why am I actually saying don't climb up the slide? Like, is it actually hurting anyone? Like you want to do it. No one else is waiting to come down. Why can't you climb up the slide? And then she was like, then I started questioning all the other things that I just say without thinking but like why am I actually saying them and I think parenting is and caregiving is so full of that of just like because I said so because it's just like how I was raised because this is just like why we do the things we do um without actually ever taking the time to really like reflect and think on it um and once you start doing that you start realizing a lot of things you're like not they're not as big deals as you thought they were like, does it actually matter if my kid finishes their plate or like, will they just eat if they're hungry at the next meal? There's so many of these things where just like, once you can let go and get to a place where you can just trust you and trust your kid, um, life becomes so much easier and it becomes so much happier and you're all just like so much less stressed. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I always say two things. So for one, I always say that people who raise children are either trying to replicate their childhood or rewrite their childhood. Ooh. It's one or the other. Either they love it and they want their kid to have that, or they hated it and they want to do so much better. And yeah. sometimes that can be a positive thing, but sometimes it's like the, your kid did not experience that, so you don't have to fix it for them. Mm -hmm. You just have to raise them. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is I always say, Adults who don't like being questioned by children are adults who don't question themselves. Oh. Ever. Snaps for that one. Literally, 
because I, I was one of them. I will be honest. Oh. The first couple years of being a nanny, I was not intentional. It, it was a gap year. I took a job. I loved this kid. I'm pretty good with kids, you know? But when it came to things like cleaning your plate or climbing the slide or speaking when spoken to, things like that, I I was projecting onto this child because that's what I was taught. But I never took the time to ask why. And so when she would ask me, why do I have to talk to that? But I don't know them. Why do I have to speak to them? Then I was like, wait, I... Why do you have, you don't have to speak to the, you know what I mean? So it's like, to some extent, I, you know, we want to offer grace because trauma is a thing, baggage is a thing, and we are all unlearning a lot of what we went through as children as we are seeing life through the eyes of the children that we care for. But at the same time, like, you're the adult. Nanny Connie says, just be the parent. Like, you have to question yourself. You have to question your intentions. And you got to get clear on the answers because that's the only way, that's the only way forward. Otherwise you're just an enemy of progress, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And that's so true too of, um, I, I always try to approach things too from the kind of mindset of everyone's doing the best of what they have. Like mm-hmm. I, I like to assume that at the beginning and so a lot of situations you're so right of like when parents are parenting a certain way when someone is doing something the way they're doing it I like to think of it through that lens of well they're doing the best of what they have that was probably how they were raised that was probably what happened to them like this this is probably a reaction from something else and so that has enabled me to be able to give a lot of grace which um I loved the interview that you did with our dear sweet friend Elle um, because that was something she said of the there's just this level of maturity that you get to mm. when you're caregiving when you can realize that like you can do things that way I can do things this way and like it's not a ref- like we can all just we're doing the best we can with what we have and um, like it doesn't need to be a point of conflict Like, my Mm -hmm. bosses can approach something with the kids one way, and I can approach another way, and it doesn't have to be a battle. It can just be like, you're doing that, I'm doing this. Like, it's not ending the world. I think it was in regards to grandparents, because grandparents Mm -hmm. come in, they're like, I want to have fun. Like, this is, I'm not here to, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) Right. And so just, like, live it up. And have fun. And so it's okay that that happens because, you know, we can get the wheels back on the bus tomorrow, but they have these moments with their grandparents and those are the memories that they're going to have. And that should just be fun. And okay, like maybe they come home after having like three McFlurries and they're hopped (laughs) up on sugar, but like we can get back to baseline tomorrow, you know, like we're all just doing the best what we have. I think Mm -hmm. we got off track there, but it's fine. You know what I I mean? It comes right back to being intentional, knowing your philosophy, knowing your approach, and being able mm-hmm. to respect someone else's, even as it pertains to the same group of children. Yeah. Um, as long as there's not actual harm being done physically, psychologically, as long as there's not harm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because kids, kids are incredible. They adapt to that. Oh, um, for sure. My kiddos know that certain things you got to go to Amber for. And certain things you might want to call grandma because we're just different and it doesn't make it right or wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm the one that will just put out all the paint on the ground and let you have at it. You could paint your body, whatever. I don't care. 
we'll clean it up together. Whereas right. other people, you know, they have their way of being the fun adult and that's fine yes. and it works out and the kids learn that there are different types of people in the world <laughs> mm-hmm. there are different types of social settings mm-hmm. um and yeah they learn to be authentic because we demonstrate that i think yeah the author of hunt gather parent um actually talks about this in a way of we've lost we used to raise it all people always say like it takes a village and it was because literally you'd have a village and you'd have a team of you'd have grandparents you'd have aunts you'd have uncles you've had cousins you'd have the little old lady across the street you'd have like all of these people who were a part of your child's life so your children grew up with this like big worldview of perspectives so they'd know that like Aunt Sally may let me do this, but Uncle Bob is going to give me a different answer mm-hmm. and mom's going to say something else. And so they learn like what fits with each person and kids are so smart and so adaptable because like my kiddo knows that like he might get to watch Diggers and Dump Trucks on the TV with Papa, but with Emma, we don't we'll watch Bluey. Like he knows mm-hmm. the different expectations, even just behavior expectations. Like he knows when he can get away with something. <laughs> with me that he can't get away with with mom and dad and vice versa Mm -hmm. and kids are so adaptable and so smart and they really figure out that stuff a lot younger and a lot faster than we think they do but Mm -hmm. it's such a cool gift to be able to give them that added perspective of another adult doing it differently and like Mm -hmm. you said as long as like no one's getting hurt as long as nothing there's very few things that are going to irreparably damage your child. Like, so what that you do this and I do that? Like, the kid's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Could it? Could there be an easier approach? Maybe. But that's fine. We're all just doing the best we can. <laughs> no, it's so true. One of the biggest differences, and I don't think she would mind me saying this, one of the biggest differences between me and my boss is I'm okay with a lot of sound. <laughs> and she would prefer less sound. So when the kids are with me, like the music is on the highest level that iPhone doesn't get mad about. Um, (laughs) So I'm not killing their ears or anything, but like we can crank it up and have a dance party and yell over it and it's fine. And they know that when mom comes home, we're going to turn that down and have a conversation and that's fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it, it becomes apparent in some adults when they're used to everyone in their life functioning the same Mm. when they're unable to uh, either accept differences from someone and still be friends or agree to disagree Mm -hmm. or communicate through conflict because like you're gonna go through things with people that you encounter that are gonna be unsavory Mm -hmm. Um, but every conflict doesn't have to be the end of a relationship or the end of an arrangement or So anyway, all that to say, I think we're teaching kids how to communicate and how to exist in the world and yeah. And adaptability and just Mm -hmm. straight up adaptability and flexibility and just the knowledge of, of, um, like I love that example with your mom boss because it's really teaching them like how to be respectful of other people's needs. Like knowing that like Amber can handle a lot of noise, but mom can't. And so we need to love and respect mom and meet her where she's at. I love that. Yeah, it's so, so beautiful. I'm so happy. I'm, this conversation has done all the things that I hoped it would do. No, seriously, I could get emotional because I just, 
I love having nanny friends. I love talking to people who are different from me. Emma lives in Maine. Emma is, are you, are you 21? I'm 22. Now? 22. Okay. Yeah. Emma's 22. I'm about to be 34. Like we were raised completely different. We're not even the same kind of nanny. If you could be completely a hundred about it, but like, I feel so connected to you because you are so authentically you and also so good at communicating, listening, understanding other people that like, I feel like we have such a strong, no, seriously, I'm sorry. We, I feel like we have such a strong connection despite being so different. And I just wish that across this community, we could all make more of an effort toward that because it's a beautiful thing when it happens. So anywho, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I This is officially the first tear shed on... <gasps> The podcast. Sorry about oh that. My God. Um, no, I'm but... so honored that I could be part of that. <laughs> Anywho, no. The, the I, time Emma I... came on the podcast and made Amber cry. Thanks. That's what we're going to be calling this now. <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. No, but I'm so I'm so so happy to share this career with you, this space with you, conversations with you. Um, it it warms my little heart, <laughs> and I'm glad that the world is getting to really see you. You know, because I think. I think you deserve it. I feel like there are people who exist on the internet authentically, and there are those who uh, exist on the internet strategically, and and a very a very select few who can do both. Um, but I love that your authenticity is being is being shown to the masses. So I adore you. <laughs> I adore you. You're the best. You're the reason I'm here. I I who knew when I wandered into Nanny Instagram in the midst of a global pandemic that I would walk away with an amber. Yeah, cause I was like, I, I feel like you had maybe like 200 followers or something like that. Was and I was like, itty. maybe, yeah, maybe less than that. But I was I was like, this, this chick know what she talking about. I like it, <laughs> I'm into it. And now look at you, just, Thank you. just blossoming. But anyway, uh, enough of our love fest, Sappy. guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of A Nanny's Life podcast. You guys can find Emma at the Main Nanny. That is T H E. Main is the state. M A I N E. Nanny. Um, she should not be hard to find <laughs> at this point. And if you want to keep up with me on a day to day basis, I'm also on Instagram at A Nanny's Life. I also have a YouTube, a TikTok, a Twitter. I don't really use those things, but follow me in the hopes that I will um but yeah thank you so much Emma for this episode thank you for having me of course you knew it was only a matter of time (laughs) all right friends y'all take care of yourselves we'll see you next time bye